You are listening to the Just Powers podcast, a series devoted to supporting and disseminating the work of researchers, activists, artists, and theorists who provide conceptual tools for imagining feminist and decolonial energy transition for more livable futures for all. Series three of the Just Powers podcast was recorded at Sublet Sound in Edmonton, Alberta, located on Treaty 6 territory, and was made possible by support from Future Energy Systems Canada First Research Excellence Fund, Social Sciences and Humanities Research Council of Canada funding, and the Cool Institute of Advanced Study. Today, your readers are Dr. Sheena Wilson and Jesse Beyer. Today, we will be reading Selena Savage and Stephanie Vushitz's article, Feminist Hackerspace as a Place of Infrastructure Production, published in 2018 by Ada, a journal of gender, new media, and technology, issue number 13. In this article, Savage and Vushitz approach the question of infrastructure by taking a critical stand towards feminist hacking practices, with specific focus on how such practices might offer a way to create and share essential infrastructure with female or transgender-identified makers. Selena Savage is an architect, researcher, and postdoctoral researcher at Critical Media Lab, IXDM Basel. Savage's research explores architectonic qualities of wireless communication, the plethora of ways technical infrastructures organize space, the use of machine learning for humanistic inquiries into discourse, digital literacy, and digital citizenship. Stephanie Wuschitz works at the intersection of research, art, and technology, with a particular focus on feminist hackerspaces, open source technology, and peer production. This article is available as an online blog at adanewmedia.org and is available for reading and download under a Creative Commons license. Introduction Engineering and hacking technology is often associated with being masculine. This view continues to apply in maker culture and is a continuous impediment in recognition of feminist hacking contribution to technology. Hacker and maker practices that are most commonly seen in maker and hacker spaces include programming, tinkering, soldering, building electric circuits, building PCB prototypes for interactive devices, all skills that have since the 1960s been culturally coded as masculine skills. Instead of claiming that we need feminist hacker spaces as safe spaces for male-centered forms of hacking, in this paper we look more specifically at what is produced in feminist hacking activity. Our account of feminist hacking activities is set in Ms. Balthazar's laboratory, based in Vienna, Austria, as well as an extensive review of current literature. Note here that Ms. is spelt M-Z with an asterisk. We are aware that feminist hacking activities might be quite different in different geographical and cultural contexts. A collaborative practice of sharing space and tools can develop friendly conditions for feminist hackers. Not through the production of feminine-connoted, girly-looking high-tech tools, pink hardware such as Lilypad Arduino or secure boards, but as an infrastructure facilitating immediate reaction to the mechanisms of exclusion. The dynamic of a feminist hackerspace is shaped by agents struggling against sexual discrimination in their daily life and in reproductive work. Decades of feminist struggle and grassroots women's activism have not been fully successful in emancipating female labor and reproductive rights, but were on the other hand instrumental in the repeated call for more cooperative forms of life and institutionalization of struggle. Or, as Sarah Ahmed put it, quote, Feminism is what we need to handle the consequences of being feminist, end quote, pointing to the recursive character of feminist struggle on one hand 
and its collaborative character that surpasses involvement from solely female-identified persons on the other. Rooted in the cyber-feminists' strategy to explore and domesticate computers and use computers as political tools for feminist activism, the context of the feminist hackerspace also celebrates achievements of female-identified makers with regard to ICT. There is, as in traditional hackerspaces, an emphasis on technical work and collaboration among participants, in this case among female socialized persons, women and trans females, as well as non-binary persons. This includes hacking, the misuse, reverse engineering, and adaptation of technology. Demystifying and altering technological production circles in a feminist hackerspace initiates and fosters a unique, fearless relation to technology. On the other hand, it establishes strong ties between an individual agent and a collective. Relations formed among members offer a certain help in reorientation. Within the collective, the individual overcomes hesitations, self-censorship, and the limitations of gender-normed behavior. This process renders common gender gaps either irrelevant or porous and therefore easier to transcend. We rely partially on feminist standpoint theory as a critical strategy of, quote-unquote, steadying up to produce alternative points of departure in order to gain insights and situated knowledge from our very limited perspective as involved agents. We build on Judith Butler's understanding of gender performance and apply it to physical computing and software development, especially DIY practice. Aside from Judith Butler's powerful work and Donna Haraway's insights into instability of scientific knowledge, we draw from existing research in feminist hackerspaces by Sophie Dupin, Fox et al., and Toombs et al. Our aim is to demonstrate how feminist hackerspaces shape both the access to interactive technologies and their cultural coding. We identify this with an infrastructure for gender performance. Issues of Feminist Hackerspaces in Contemporary Scholarship Making tech is not only for men, is it? Design and development of technology continues to take place in androcentric environments of engineering companies and university research groups. While gender bias is not the only reason why computing systems are rarely developed by members of the communities they serve, the number of female socialized persons who actively shape development of technology is under 30%. Women asterisks working in science and engineering jobs are under 12% women asterisks in leadership positions. In the long run, female-identified technologists are written out of history. For example, ENIAC programmer Jennings Bartik or NASA mathematician Katherine Johnson are rarely mentioned in school books, their important contributions to computer science and engineering largely unrecognized. Walter Isaacson's 2014 film The Innovators and Margot Lee Shetterly's 2016 film Hidden Figures are recent attempts to remedy this that reached popular culture. It adds to the problem that many female-identified technologists devalue their own expertise and qualifications. They also tend to demure their skills and applications, which often also results in lower salaries for equal labor. Intersectional discrimination is beyond the scope of this paper, but we can briefly call to mind that voices of women, asterisks of color, are oppressed and exploited on multiple intersectional levels in the hardware industry. Much more than people passing as white and female, people marked as black and female are deprived from acknowledgement and appropriate financial compensation for their labor. Feminist hackerspaces in theory and practice. Feminist hackerspaces have emerged as a response to this gender bias. Their voice is not uniform, and they address issues using different strategies. They have, however, become more and more visible in the academic field. 
current Scholarship of Feminist Hackerspaces focuses on questions of accessibility, collaboration, and organization strategies and approaches to sharing. This work is often ethnographic, studying a number of mainly U.S.-based feminist hackerspaces and interviewing their participants and organizers. At times, researchers take a more action research approach, giving workshops on-site in order to directly engage with the organization and speculate on the types of things that might inform and generate ideas for the participating members. Fox describes work that particularly looks at infrastructuring of design decisions, recognizing how, quote, highlighting the socio-technical assemblages underlining our design projects could offer possibilities for rethinking technology design, end quote. For example, the perspective of open-source hardware in combination with a feminist approach brought about new workshop designs in which taking apart hardware in a group is followed by deconstructing gender roles related to aggression and femininity, and resulted in collaborative design processes to build interactive installations from that knowledge. These research efforts established a solid ground for our fieldwork and for extending scientific analysis. We would like to now take this research on the phenomenon of feminist hackerspaces a step further to look at what is actually produced in feminist hacking activity. Infrastructure as a technical, social, and cultural facility. Engineers design infrastructures to remain in the background and enable seamless functioning of systems they are engineered for. Susan Lee Starr observes that systems become infrastructure when they work sufficiently well so that we stop noticing them. Starr brings out the example of piping and staircases, both of which we use without particular awareness until the piping breaks or the stairs become a problem to mobility. Piping is infrastructural to people whose homes and offices it supplies with fresh water. At the same time, to a plumber, piping is work. It is a problem to solve. Discussing infrastructures demands the extra effort of taking a distance from something we are half-consciously engaged with on an everyday basis. Writer Paul Graham Raven proposed infrastructure fiction as a form of discourse that takes this critical distance to systems and services that underlie our everyday interaction with the environment and with each other. Visibility, or the lack thereof, is a common theme in infrastructural research. Adam Rothstein wrote about the privilege to experience our infrastructure in first person. Infrastructure, for him, implied anything from container shipping lines to telecommunication traffic. These infrastructures were designed to be visible only to the ones who maintained them. Lucy Sukman suggested to put more effort into conceptualizing the intimate relations between work, representations, and the politics of organizations. Similar to the technical infrastructures, the better the work is done, the less visible it is. She encouraged a design practice in which representations of work are taken as part of the fabric of meaning out of which all working practices are made. We follow her call to carefully investigate infrastructure as production sites of meaning and become more sensitive towards the construction of power through its representation. Fox et al. have explored the cultural aspect of infrastructures as an intangible set of rules which affect design decisions. They found that in the encounter between feminism and technology, design, quote, must confront the variety of feminisms at play, end quote. Identifying a Feminist Infrastructure Our research investigates how feminist hacking practices at Ms. Baltazar's lab creates and shares essential infrastructure to female-identified makers. We use the word infrastructure intentionally to denote an underlying set of facilities, tools, and relationships that the feminist practice relies on. Ethnographic research in infrastructure looks at how technical and administrative systems operating in the background influence the active experience of the world. 
We apply this perspective to the organization of feminist hackerspaces. The labor that goes into the organization of a feminist hackerspace does not recede from view here, but we focus primarily on the gender performance that is enabled within a feminist hackerspace. In feminist hacker communities, a separatist attitude is cultivated, comparable to the second-wave feminists who celebrated female difference through women-only spaces. Yet the key difference is in the connection between agents, which is fostered through a tool rather than an aim. Looking at this key difference from Butler's perspective, the tools of a traditional hackerspace are culturally read as requisites to performing masculinity. We will describe in more detail how feminist hackerspaces become infrastructures that enable an autonomous gender performance. Lived experience of the feminist hackerspace. Through the experience of organizing and contributing to Ms. Baltazar's feminist hackerspace, this paper unpacks the preconditions to feminist DIY maker practice. We regard this hackerspace and the network of its users as an infrastructure that facilitates and conducts additive processes of empowerment and emancipation from passive consumers of technology to active and critical participants in its appropriation. We also draw from a larger study conducted by one of the authors in hackerspaces in Asia, the United States, and Europe through in-depth interviews with female-identified and transgender artists and hackers. We use standpoint theory to ground our methodological approach. Feminist scholars advocated taking women's lived experiences as the beginning of scientific inquiry. In her articulation of quote-unquote situated knowledge, Donna Haraway proposed a bottom-up research approach. It requires from the researcher to become an interactive agent in the field. Empowerment can emerge only through political processes informed by situated knowledge. Ms. Baltazar's Laboratory, The Case of a Feminist Hackerspace. Our observations are based on researching a group of feminist artists, developers, and designers who run a self-organized, shared space intended exclusively for people who pass as female or transgender persons. The organization that defines itself as feminist hackerspace not only provides open source tools and equipment to all participants, but also encourages members to perform gender in new, unexpected ways, break with technology-related stereotypes, and unlearned trained feelings of deficiency. Technical skills such as soldering and writing simple code for specific projects or taking apart hardware tools is taught at one- or two-day workshops. Skills and knowledge sharing also focus on questions of sustainability and fair sourcing of materials when generating electrical power and building one's own hardware and electronic components. Participants come from various educational and professional backgrounds. Through communication on the mailing lists, workshops, performances, exhibitions, and events, Ms. Baltazar aims to connect different groups of people living in the surrounding area. Refugees, the unemployed, artists, single mothers, community radio activists, etc. The resulting organization is not merely a shared living room with shelters from the weather and from harassment by young male geeks. It is also not simply a collection of soldering irons, LEDs, and Arduinos that a feminist hackerspace offers to feminist makers. Its particular structure and setting creates and preserves material and immaterial output. Knowledge-sharing work slowly adds up, producing documentation, manuals, and instruction sheets. Custom hardware tools and objects are designed and assembled. Equally important to this material production is the experience, gestures, norms, and values created in this environment. It amplifies critical thinking and encourages risk-taking, but above all fosters the bending of normalized gender performance. Relationships formed through feminist hacking. The laboratory style of decision-making, co-hacking, and caring opens opportunities for complex relationships to forge. 
These do not replicate relationships formed in hackerspaces in general, although the focus on technology is very strong. In feminist hackerspaces, participants do not limit their mutual support to technical skills, but help each other in finding jobs, apartments, making deadlines, or exhibiting artwork. Transforming and inventing through feminist hacking. When members of the Ms. Baltazar's laboratory organized a one-week workshop, it usually started with breaking apart hardware. Disassembling an electronic device on purpose not only breaks the hardware, but also breaks with feminine gender scripts. The norm on how to perform femininity, for instance, not be aggressive and to not avidly destroy. This collective transgression of gender norms decreases the fear of opening a device, but also gives participants a taste of how it feels to break gender norms in general. A site-specific culture evolves over time. Should we consider these immaterial products as innovative, and what would be our criteria to do so? It was often mentioned in the past years how Western-centric post-colonial perspective fails to recognize innovation in engineering solutions that take place in developing countries. However, we identify similar problems in Western-based hackerspaces dedicated to underrepresented groups, such as female-identified makers. Innovation, which does not compete with solutionist, optimization-oriented agents, fails to make an impression. To counter this, we are diving deeper into the dynamics within a feminist hackerspace and address the immaterial innovation that is being accomplished here. Gender in Feminist Hackerspace Infrastructure What makes the process of feminist hacking different from hacking in a traditional hackerspace? We could compare the presence of female-identified makers in a male-dominated hackerspace to the appearance of drag queens in public. In the same ambivalent way as drag queens question the connection between femininity and beauty, wearing makeup or a robe, female makers question the connection between masculinity and technology, soldering, coding, welding. Female makers in a hackerspace who are performing technological tasks look like they are trying to compete with male-identified participants in appearing masculine in performing masculinity, although it is simply the development of technology that is being performed. Hereby, female-identified makers and a hackerspace become as visible and marked as a drag queen in public. Conversely, in a space shared with female-identified makers, the development of technology is not seen as masculinity performance anymore. Making technology here is really just making technology. A group of persons performing their self-determined subject position, quote-unquote, reverses the coded power of visible and invisible markings. All passes unmarked becoming invisible. At this point, we want to reintroduce Starr's argument that well-functioning infrastructure is invisible. We raise the question, in which kind of infrastructure do female-identified makers become invisible? What is produced in feminist hacking? People performing technology and femininity at a traditional hackerspace are visible, meaning they are discriminated, stereotyped, marked. The infrastructure of a feminist hackerspace renders gender unmarked. Feminist hacking activity generates alternate, autonomous, fluent forms of gender performance. If people in a shared space perceive themselves as similar to each other, for example, white, male, educated, their subject position is stable, unchallenged. Their access to the shared space and practice is stable as well. These are three stable factors that ground but also limit the lab participants of a traditional hackerspace. Feminist hackerspaces, in contrast, rely on no stable subject position, no stable gender performance. Tech practice in a feminist hackerspace tends to be fluid. While participants of traditional hackerspaces replicate commercial technological developments in their practice, for example, building drones, making Arduino cars, 3D printing, plastic gadgets, 
participants of feminist hackerspaces pay more attention to stable interpersonal relationships. This anchor needs to compensate for the ephemeral condition of gender and tech practice. The activities and facilities of the feminist hackerspace we observed for this research are offering a stable factor to trust in, an infrastructure for gender performance. Feminist hacking makes more visible the multitude of perspectives that can and should be addressed by technology which are currently not. When a community of such people is gathered around in a hackerspace, these different perspectives and narratives, speculative designs, begin to accumulate. With the infrastructure in place, participants in a feminist hackerspace can attend to implicitly misogynist technologies and to discrimination that is inscribed in the measures of the quote-unquote normal in assistive technologies and services. Medical pacemakers make an interesting example of a device that needs attention in this context. Karen Sandler, an attorney and executive director of the Software Freedom Conservancy, pointed out how they are calibrated to a male standard user. People who do not fit into this profile, for example pregnant women, will receive electroshocks by pacemakers. Algorithms based in mathematical models that are not considering women and transgender people's needs will limit, if not harm them. It is therefore urgently necessary to foster infrastructures that amplify the voices of people ignored by mainstream software development companies. Knowledge and energy accumulated in a feminist hackerspace can ideally encourage them to develop open technology themselves that considers their individual situations. When a feminist hackerspace is functional, it fosters the bending or breaking of normalized gender performance. We propose that we will comprehend their dynamic better if we look at feminist hackerspaces as an innovative infrastructure. If the infrastructure works well, the spectrum of possible technology practices and outputs widens. Feminist hackerspaces, therefore, create essential infrastructures to enable unorthodox and creative technological practices and out-of-the-box thinking. The separatist infrastructure of a feminist hackerspace compensates destabilizing factors such as the members' fluent gender performance, fluent subject positions, and fluent tech practices. This way, the feminist hackerspace we worked with is producing material, but even more so, immaterial outputs. In the future, we plan to analyze which other forms of subversive output participants of feminist hackerspaces have contributed to their community. Conclusions We contribute to formulating the feminist hackerspace agendas by stepping away from its existential questions and instead look at the actual practice. We identify a form of subversion of gender norms provided in the process of hacking in feminist hackerspaces. We analyzed one feminist hackerspace as socially and culturally coded construction produced by strongly engaged agents. The infrastructure generated through the activity in this feminist hackerspace is fragile because it is grounded only in a shared space, but valuable for its participants because it offers a unique opportunity to challenge cultural norms of gender performance. Here, female-identified makers pass as unmarked and become invisible, hence can explore technology without gender discrimination. In a different geopolitical context, for example on Java, Indonesia, running a similar space might be more of a challenge for the collective. Maintaining an activist or countercultural infrastructure sometimes faces resistance from the surrounding neighborhood and even on a state level. For example, during the Lady Fast 2016 in Yogyakarta, participants were targets of police violence. The infrastructure of the observed feminist hackerspace is functioning smoothly if we rate it through STARS criteria of a functioning infrastructure becoming invisible. 
This invisible infrastructure allows new gender performances to emerge and it enables participants to follow activities they would otherwise fear to render them too masculine to pass as female, otherwise sanctioned through stigmatization outside the feminist hackerspace as drag queens would be outside a drag ball. We propose to consider work that takes place in the hackerspace as an accumulation of feminist perspectives. It's a narrative that grows through people joining it and disobeying normative gender performance, encouraged through the narrative of the space, the Turkish girl talking about sexuality, for example. Speculating together about what a feminist hackerspace could be like is a way of world-making. Feminist storytelling is actually a feminist imagining, feminist imaginary. The reappropriation of practices that are culturally coded as performances of masculinity is an essential achievement of a feminist infrastructure. Just like a drag queen doesn't have to justify wearing makeup at a drag ball, a female-identified maker doesn't have to justify her affinity to soldering, coding, or welding in a feminist hackerspace. Drag ball is not a tool, it's an imaginary. It is a shared narrative that is generated in this context. Today, your readers were Dr. Sheena Wilson and Jesse Beyer. This podcast is brought to you by Just Powers, an interdisciplinary and community-engaged network of research projects focused on climate justice issues. Led by Dr. Sheena Wilson, Just Powers is organized around the idea that a power shift, both literally in terms of energy transition and figuratively in terms of social justice, is necessary to reinvent more livable futures for all. This series of the Just Powers podcast was produced by Jesse Beyer, with sound recording, editing, and mixing by Catlin W. Cusick at Sublet Sound.